that you are our God. And Lord, there's not one person that sings about their own faithfulness, but they sing about yours. You're faithful, and you're good, and you're true. And Father, we know that in us, that is in our flesh, dwells no good thing. But Lord, we thank you for the new creation you've made us in Jesus. And given us a new man, and a new heart, and a new life, in which the Holy Ghost lives. And Father, all faithfulness and all goodness which comes forth from us comes from your life and your influence and your grace in our life. We love you this, this morning, Lord Jesus. And we thank you this morning. And Lord, I pray that you would move in the midst of this church to make us a people who truly loves you by loving one another, by encouraging one another. Father, as, as we see the day approaching, the day of the end, Father, let us meet more regularly to encourage one another and to provoke one another to love and to good works. Don't let us meet, don't let the characterization of our, our meetings be to crush or to destroy or to hinder. But God, let us meet to believe and to stir one another to love and to good works. I thank you, God, that you are our Redeemer. I thank you that you've redeemed our souls from hell and eternity without you. You've redeemed us from that. You've redeemed us from vanity. I thank you that you have the power to redeem our thoughts, our minds, our yesterdays, our lives from destruction. I thank you, Lord, that you will look upon us and cause your face to shine upon us, God, and that you bless us, that the ends of the earth would fear you, God, and that your way would be known in the earth. Father, I pray that your blessings would be poured out upon your people, but not wasted upon your people. I pray, Father, that by faith we would receive your blessings in our life. Blessings that are spiritual in abundance, but also manifest themselves physically so that the lost world can see it and we can declare this is our God. And Father, I pray that the world will see you. I pray, God, that our nation will see you. I pray our city will see you, God, that the multitudes who are lost and bound and corrupted would turn to you, God, and see the goodness of the Lord and the favor of the Lord upon those who have been redeemed by blood. And Father, that we would give testimony to you, that we would give glory to you, Father, in the nations, that you are our God and we're not ashamed, that you're the one that blesses us and sustains us, God, and how we love you, God, with all of our heart, we love you this morning. And pray, Father, enlarge our hearts to love you more. Father, drive out every wicked thing in us by filling us with your love and filling us with the Holy Ghost. Lord, drive out every evil thought by bringing the mind of Christ to its fullness in our lives. Lord, drive all fear out by filling us with your love. And Lord, I pray you convict us I pray, Father, that you move in us, Lord, and I pray, God, with all of my heart 
that people would be free this morning to walk with you, Father, to serve you, God, with joy and gladness in Jesus' name. I ask this, Lord, amen. I want you to turn in your Bibles this morning. I'm going to tell you this. We'll come to it in a minute. But I want you to turn to the book of Zephaniah. Small book at the end of the Old Testament. And I'm going to read from Zephaniah this morning. And I'm also going to read from John chapter 11. These two passages of Scripture. And so I'd like it, if you would, to have those places marked in your Bible so that you will be able to read with me these things that I want to share with you. God's put this in my heart. I've been talking about, the, I forgot to dismiss the children. Y'all can leave now for your classes. But I, I wanted to read something to you that one of the great ministers of the past made a statement. He said this, Samuel Chadwick made this statement, the world is not saved by men of straw. They are men conscious of a divine mission, inspired by a great faith, sustained in prayer, and men who count not their lives dear unto themselves. They carry the burden of the people's shame and woe. I want to stress that again. They carry the burden of the people's shame and woe. They op the open victory is the fruit of secret prayers and tears. Such men may appear suddenly, but they are not made that way in a day. But it takes time. It takes a lot of time. They carry the burden of the people's shame and woe. I, I want to I say that in, in regards to a couple of men in the Bible that I'm sure you're familiar with, but some great men who took the, the shame of the nation of Israel and didn't separate themselves from it. But they went before God bearing that shame. One was the high priest of Israel who would go before God and he would bear the sins of the people into the presence of God to make atonement for Israel's sins. Another was Daniel who would pray over the sins of Israel, not excusing himself, but saying we in the sins that he would confess. We have sinned. We have done these things. And I think most people in here would believe Daniel to be a very holy man in his life and in his conduct unto the Lord. In the first five chapters of Isaiah, Isaiah curses the people of Israel. He says, woe is you. I, I, don't, I forget how many times, I, I know it's over 70 times that Isaiah curses the people of Israel and says, woe is you, you've done this, you've done that, you've done this. But in Isaiah 5 and 6, when he comes into the presence of God and he sees the glory of God and it's just him and God, it is no longer the cursing of the people of Israel and the woe to the people, but woe is me. And that is the breaking of a man who's able to bring the shame and burdens of the shame and the woe of the people on his shoulders to God and bear that. It's not uncommon for people to crush weak people. It's not uncommon for people that are strong and noble in their own eyes to put down those that are weak and ignoble in their behaviors. It is not wrong or uncommon. It is wrong, but it's not uncommon for the mighty to put down the weak, for the poor, for the poor to be abused by the rich, 
and for those that are ignorant to be made fun of by those that are wise. That's the way men operate. But how God wants to operate among men is to make the weak strong and to have pity upon the ignorant that they might increase in their wisdom and their understanding of the things of God. And it is our great Savior and Lord Jesus Christ who bore in complete fullness the burden of our shame and our woe on the cross when God laid upon Him the iniquity of us all. He became sin for us who knew no sin, that we might become the righteousness of God in Him. He didn't come as a sinner, and never did He sin, but He bore ours. And I'll tell you, that is a unique person who walks across the face of history, who can take that mantle upon himself and bear the burden of the shame and the woes of other people. And right, did Samuel Chadwick say that that man is not made in a day? It is a process of time, and it is a great stripping of the man's life. I've been talking to you for many weeks now about the blessing of God. I believe the blessing of God is extremely important to the cause of God in our world today. The Bible says that God will bless us and the ends of the earth shall fear the Lord. God will bless us and cause His face to shine upon us so that His way might be known in the earth. God's blessing is tangible and it is real. It is its intended purpose to greatly affect your life in a positive way. Is it not a blessing when God heals your disease? Is it not a blessing when God delivers you from your enemy? Is it not a blessing that manifests itself physically when Elijah sees fire come down from heaven and God answered his prayers? Is it not a blessing when Sarah's womb begins to jump within herself because the promise has been fulfilled and she is with child? Is it not a blessing for God to move upon our lives and do the things that we believe and trust Him to do? God's blessing is to affect us in every area of our life, but the intent of His blessing is to make Himself known in this earth. The blessing of God matters to me. It is important to me for many, many reasons. I would not want to just be selfish in this regard. I want God to receive His glory. But the blessing of God is important to me in my life because apart from the blessing of God, I am not going to make it. I'm sharing that. I'm telling you this. And I know without the blessing of God, you're not going to make it. What you know about God is not going to bring you through the floods of your life. The blessing of His presence will but not what you know about him. You have to have a real God in the midst of a real crisis if you're going to make it. And the blessing of God is God in our life as a present help in our times of trouble. This matters to me. It is everything to me in my life. And I believe it is everything to you in your life. This life is hard. It is very difficult. It is acquainted with trials and with tribulations. There's not a life in this room that has not sinned against God. There's not a person in this room who has not experienced a great sense of shame in their life. 
It is the blessing of God that's going to get you out of that. There's not a person in this room that does not deal with a direct conflict and fight with the enemy of their souls. None of you have escaped the powers of darkness. None of you have been free from a battle with demonic principalities and powers against your life. And I promise you this, it wasn't men, man, or methods that brought you through it. It was the blessing of God that brought you through it. The blessing of God. I know where I am in life. And I know where I need to be in life. But knowing where I need to be is not going to get me there. The blessing of God alone can get me from here to there. That's why His blessing means everything to me. I need the blessing of God in my life to be more than I am right now. I need the blessing of God in my life to be a better Christian, to be a better example, to be more faithful to God. I need the blessing of God in my life so that my thoughts would be more honorable to God than they are. I need the blessing of God in my life so that I can have the joy of the Holy Ghost on a Monday that I get when I'm in church on a Sunday. I need the blessing of God in my life. I don't need formalities, and I sure don't need you to tell me what I need to do. I need the blessing of God to do in me what I cannot do for myself, and all of our rules could never produce in my life. I need His blessing in my life. The blessing of God is tangible, as I said, and it is real. And I need this blessing. All of my efforts, my thoughts, and my intentions will never do it for me. But the blessing of God will. Those with the greatest test in their life, those who have undergone or gone through the greatest brokenness in their life, will experience the greatest anointings in, among men. The more God can break you, the more God will use you. The greater the anointing in your life, the greater the breaking. The breaking of our life is essential, and all Christians are going to break. That treasure is inside of you, and God has to get it out. In this men's retreat, we said there is a river of living water in your belly. And God wants that water out. He wants people to drink from it. So God has to break you to get what's in you out. And the more God can break a man, then the more anointed that man is going to be. The more selfless he becomes. He is no longer occupied with everything that's wrong with everybody. But he's occupied with a life that wants to be completely devoted to the one who loves him so much. He wants to serve the Lord and give everything to the Lord in every way that he possibly can. The greatest limitation in any man, the greatest limitation in any person in this room is the good that we see in ourselves. And it is that part of our life that God is really trying to get after. We're not hesitant to confess to God the sins of what is in us that we know to be wicked and evil. When we know that we lose our tempers, when we know that we've lied, when we know that we've deceived, when we know that we've lusted, 
when we know that we've done something immoral. It does not take much from us to bring that miserable, miserable behavior to God and ask Him to remove that from us. But it is the good things in our flesh that we think God can benefit from and God can use in our life that is the greatest limitation of God in us in that very good thing. Like Saul, who didn't kill it all, but he saved the best and said, I thought to save the best, to offer it to God. And Samuel said, put it all to death. There's nothing of that that God wants to draw from. And Paul said this in his life, there is nothing good in me. That is in my flesh. There is nothing good in me. No, not one thing. There was nothing. Now there would be times in his life he would have offered something. But he came to a point in his life when he said, I am the chief of sinners. There's nothing in Paul that's good. Whatever God can do with my life has to be the measure of Christ that's in me. And I'll tell you, it is the blessing of God that gets you through that brokenness. It is the blessing of God. Some people are being prepared for great things. Great things in this world, great things among men. Some of you are being prepared to do things in the eyes of men that might be more significant than other people. God raises up people to do stuff like that. Of all the prophets, no one was greater than John the Baptist. That's what Jesus said. Of all the prophets, no one was greater than John the Baptist. He revealed and declared the Son of the living God. There were great prophets, but Jesus said his calling is more significant than anybody else. That man went through a brokenness in his life by living in the desert, eating honey and locusts, isolated from humanity, clothed in wild animal skins, and would come out and preach and declare to the people of Israel, prepare yourselves, the Son of God is coming. And that man went through things you and I could never understand. Daniel went through things some other people never went through in their life because of what God wanted to get through Daniel. Abraham faced things that other men never faced. Joshua went through things that others never went through. Other people face things that others have never experienced because of the call of God that rested upon them. And I'm trying to tell you something this morning. That's why the blessing of God means so much to me because I know what it means for you. I know it is that blessing that's going to get you through it. It is that blessing that is going to bring the anointing of God through your life. Men will kill you, but the blessing of God will get you through it. The blessing of God will get the anointing out of your life. The blessing of God will bring you back when you've been dead. The blessing of God will make a way when every way has been shut off and there seems to be no way. The blessing of God will make a way. If you're stuck this morning, you're closed in, pinned in, you're pressed in by the enemy, the blessing of God will make a way. If you're in the miry clay, the blessing of God will get you out of it and set your feet upon a rock. If there are 10,000 coming at you, it is the blessing of God that won't let it come near to you. If Ebola breaks out in the United States of America, you listen, it is the blessing of God that will keep his people. It is the blessing of God. We can never 
underestimate the blessing of God. And one of the great problems of God's children is we don't pray enough for the blessing. We don't pray enough for God to work in miracles and power and signs and wonders. God, do something in my life that I can't do. God, think a thought in me that I could never think. God, do something through my life that I would never naturally do. That God, something may happen in my life that everybody will know that only God could do something that just happened. They came to Jesus and they said, We know that no man can do the things that you do unless he's sent from God. I believe that's the blessing of God that he desires to be upon all of our lives. Everybody wants Paul's power, but nobody wants Paul's thorn. And a lot of people want your prayer life. And a lot of people want your joy. And a lot of people want what God's doing through you, but they don't want to pay the price that you've had to pay to know God like you know Him. And they don't want to pay that price. God covers you with love, and in the midst of your afflictions and in the midst of your trials, the Spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. But they don't know how many nights you cried yourself to sleep. They don't know the countless days you fasted because you didn't know if you were going to make it another moment. They don't know the times that you were overwhelmed with fear and the depression that you fought in your life. They don't know how you wept before God over the knowledge of your own sin that God in His mercy let nobody else know about, but how you wept over it and how the devil attacked you about it and how your heart condemned you and the blessing of God came down and lifted you up and brought you out of that miserable state. They don't know that, but if they did, I promise you, they would want your blessings, but they would not want your trial. But it is the trial that brings the blessing. I'm telling you something. Don't you dare judge that person sitting next to you this morning. You have no idea what's transpiring in that life of faith between that man or woman and God right now. You have no idea. It doesn't matter how much better you think you are than somebody else, but the blessing of God matters to me because I know the blessing of God can transform your life before you walk out of this building today. I know the blessing of God can do it. I don't care how low they are. I don't care how much they've sinned. I don't care how miserable they have been. I don't care how unfaithful they've been to this day. You better be careful because you have no idea the thought that God is thinking about them and what he's putting in their heart and that blessing that's about to come and transform everything in their life. And I say, my God, do it. Do it to every sinner. Do it to every unfaithful person. Do it to every lost man in this room. God, transform us by the blessing of God. Wouldn't it be a miracle, oh my God,
God, it'd be a miracle for God to transform our limited thinking into impossibility believing, to know what God can do, to believe that God can do it, to offer our lives to God and say, God, up to this day, I've been useless and worthless, but God, I'm a living sacrifice today. And Lord, if you will be merciful to me and cause your face to shine upon me and bless me, oh God, then change my life and the blessing of God can do it. The blessing of God. The blessing of God changes everything. Everything in our life. Be careful what you think about somebody else. Be careful about the limitation that you would put upon somebody else. If I could be anything in the body of Christ, I've said it, and I believe it with all the passion of my heart. If I could be anything in the body of Christ, I want to be an encourager. That's what I desire to be. The name of the Holy Ghost is encourager. And if that's what I could be in the body of Christ, let me be that. I don't care to be a prophet. I don't care to be some famous person. I don't care to be known for truth, known for wisdom or anything else. All those things are great. I'd love to have it all. But if I had to choose one thing, God, let me be an encourager. Let me be somebody among your children who sets people free and looses them from their bondages so they can go do everything that you want them to do. God, let that be in my life. The blessing of God is the thought that God has about you and the, and the thing that he wants to put inside your heart and inside your mind. It may have been absent up to this moment, but all of a sudden, God puts it in your spirit. And all of a sudden, what he puts in your spirit changes your life. It is no coincidence Jesus was born in a carpenter shop. The first thing God wanted you to know when he started to talk to us in his Bible is in Genesis chapter 1. In the beginning, God created. That's what God wants you to know. The first thing he wants you to know about who he is, I'm God and I'm the creator. And then he's born in this earth to a virgin woman and he lives under the tutelage of a man named Joseph who was a carpenter. What does that mean? I was a creator in the beginning. I'm a creator when I came. I build things. I construct things. I make something when it does not exist and I bring it into existence. I take thoughts on paper and I make them into useful pieces of furniture in life. What am I trying to tell you? What doesn't exist in your life can exist in your life because I'll create it. I'll build it. I'll make it. I'll do it. That's the blessing of God. That is his blessing in our life. That's what he wants to do in our life. That's what he wants to bring in our life. There's nothing, no counseling going to get you from where you are to where you need to be. Do you understand me? I know this all too well. Not that counseling's bad. Counseling's good. And if the counsel's godly, it could bring the thought of God into it. But I'll tell you, it's not the counseling, it's not the talking, it's not the reminiscing, and it's not even the saying of prayers. It is the direct intervention of God himself blessing our lives that's going to get me out of despair, get me out of depression, get me out of confusion in this miserable battle with the devil and bring me into my victory. It is the blessing of God. The blessing of God. Don't ever underestimate that. Don't ever take it for naught. The blessing of God in our lives. And Zephaniah, I want you to see this, chapter 3, verse 17. The Lord thy God in the midst of thee is mighty. 
He will save. He will rejoice over thee with joy. He will rest in his love. He will joy over you with singing. Isn't that a wonderful blessing of God? The Lord in the midst of his people is mighty. God's not here this morning weak. The cry of God went out, come to me. I'll heal you. I'll deliver you. I'll save you. God says to us this morning through this cry, I'll tell you there's one thing you don't have to fear. You don't have to fear coming to me. But your fear ought to be if you don't come to me, you need to be afraid. But if you come to me, you don't have to be afraid. I'll do these things in your life. God is mighty. God saves. God rejoices over us with joy. God rests in his love. He will joy over us with singing. There's such wonderful things in God because God is the hope of all men. Do you hear me? He is the hope of all men. The blessing of God is the hope for your life. There's not a life in this room God can't touch. There's not a situation in this room that God cannot turn around. There's not a confusion in this room that God cannot answer. There's not a disease He cannot heal. There's not an enemy you fight that He has not already beat. He's a mighty God in our midst. And He wants to rejoice over us and sing over us with songs of deliverance. God wants to do it. And I say, God bless me with that and sing over me and rejoice over me. And God rest in your love. I'm His love. I'm His love. For God so loved the world, He gave His Son that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. I'm His love. God wants to rest in me. I want my life to be a place of rest for God. Come and make this your home, God. Come and rest. Come and clean the clutter out. Come and move all the junk out. Come and get all the dust out. God, just come and rest and make this your home. Let that be the blessing of my life. Let it be for some of us, that's what it needs to be. The renewed, manifest presence of God in your life again. That's where all the joy of God is. All the blessings of God that He wants to bring into our lives. Oh, the possibility of a promise of God. The possibility. Can you, just, can you just get that in your faith? The possibility of a promise of God. Think of the possibility if God would just single you out today, call you up front to Him, and say, now I want to bless you. What is the possibility of that? Oh my God, you can't even think on that level. You can't even begin to think of that magnitude. In John chapter 11, I want you to see this. And this is the heart of what I want to say to you. Why I care for the blessing of God. It is the hope of every human being that I will ever meet. The blessing of God. Because of the potential of what God is able to do in anybody's life is why I care for the blessing of God. Because I want to see you so filled and happy and meeting Jesus with such joy. And that will not happen apart from the blessing of God. In John chapter 11, in verse 38, Jesus therefore again groaning in himself comes to the grave. It was a cave and a stone lay upon it. And Jesus said, take ye away the stone And Martha, the sister of him that was dead, 
said unto him, Lord, by this time he stinks, for he's been dead four days. Jesus said to her, said I not unto thee that if you would believe, you should see the glory of God. Then they took away the stone from the place where the dead was laid. And Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank thee that thou hast heard me. And I know that you hear me always. But because of the people which stand by, I said it, that they may believe that you have sent me. And when he had thus had spoken, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. And I want you to notice verse 44. He that was dead, he's not anymore, came forth, bound hand and foot with grave clothes. And his face was bound about with a napkin. And Jesus said to them, loose him and let him go. And that's the blessing of God upon a man. The blessing of God. I want to say this to you. I want to minister to you for a few moments. Just out of my heart of what I believe God has shared this with me about this. Loose him and let him go. And I want to talk to all of us about that. Lazarus was dead. He was dead for four days. Mary said he stinks. The wages of sin is death. I'm not saying that Lazarus committed some sin in which he died under some type of judgment of God, but I am saying that Lazarus died because he was a sinner, just like everybody's going to die, and just like we're going to die because of sin that's in the world. Unless Jesus raptures us first, we're going to die because of sin and the effect of sin that it has in this world. That's what it represents. Some of you have died. Some of your lives are dying. You stink. You stink to other Christians. You're an embarrassment and you're a shame to other Christians. Or you stink to yourself. And you're worthless and you're dead. And men have bound you up and men have wrapped you in grave clothes. Wrapped much like a mummy. So wrapped that he couldn't even take the cloth off of his own head. And the cloth was wrapped. He couldn't see where he was going. He couldn't move. A lot of commentators said that according to the embalming techniques that the Jews learned from the Egyptians, that he would have been wrapped up much like a mummy. And the only possible way that Lazarus could have come forth was by floating. Or perhaps he hopped some way to get out. But nonetheless, however Lazarus got out of that situation in a grave, it was a miracle of God. It was a miracle that he was raised from the dead, and it was a miracle that he came out of that grave by the commandment of the Lord. And then once he comes out of the grave, Jesus issues a command to men, loose him and let him go. Loose him. He used to stink, he doesn't anymore. He used to be dead. He's not dead anymore. Lose him and let him go. Some of the greatest things God wants to do in this world today, he wants to do in those people, maybe, I'm not saying without exception, but he may want to do those things through some of the ones that feel the most absolutely miserable about themselves. One of the greatest revivals that ever happened in the history of man was a revival that occurred through a man who was a racist, a a rebel, 
and bitter. And his name was Jonah, and the city was Nineveh, and over 400,000 people and their animals repented and turned to God. He was a unique prophet in that regard. Most of the prophets that God encountered didn't want to be prophets. Some of the men that affected the, the, the planet, and I mean that by every generation that ever lived, were men that, that lost all of their value in life and felt no ability, no self-worth to be able to do anything for God. Moses tells God, you've got the wrong man. I can't speak. Forty years ago in Egypt, he thought he was the man. I'll do this. I'll take it upon myself. I'll deliver the people of Israel. He murders a man. He does it all wrong. Flees and runs. Backside of the desert. Forty years later, God appears to him. And Moses is now a man absolutely broken with his own self and nature. God, I can't do it. I can't speak. You've got the wrong man. Jeremiah says to God, I'm just a child. Nobody will listen to me. Oh, God, I'm not the one that you want to use. Peter comes along and he says to Jesus, after he witnesses these miracles, he said, Lord, I I am a sinful man. Depart from me. I, I should have nothing to do with you, and you should have nothing to do with me because I'm nothing but a sinful man. It is men like this, so absolutely broken and dejected in themselves, that God comes and puts the blessing in their life and delivers them from that and empowers them in that life and does marvelous things through their life. We make these men great. But they would correct us very quickly and say that the glory is of God and not of me. God did this. And we discount ourselves so often. And I'll just say this to us because I believe that it's so important. It is not our deaths that limit God. And I'm talking about this in reference to Lazarus. And understand that death is, always has some relationship with sin. It is not our deaths that limit God, but it is the bondage that men put on men because they died. Loose them and let them go. The greatest limitation is not the death we died yesterday, but the way men bind us up because we did die. And God comes along and defeats the death, and then God says to men, loose them and let them go. I want to do something great through their lives. They used to stink. They don't anymore. They used to be disgusting. They're not anymore. They used to be dead. They're not anymore. And so that's what I mean. Be careful about who you judge. Be careful about the limitation you put on somebody. The Lord, our God, in the midst of us is mighty. My God, He will save. He will rejoice over us and rest in His love. Let Him do it. Let Him do it. God, you're going to use them? Oh, my God. You, how can you? Let me tell you about them. When what we should do is, God, you're going to use them? Hallelujah. Oh, God. God changed the world through their life. God, who would have expected it? Who would have ever thought it, God? They used to stink. They were miserable. They were disgusting. They were so unfaithful and so un unattractive in everything. We just wrapped them up and we put them away, God, because they were failures and they were sinners and they were horrible. But look what God's doing in their life. Now he's bringing them back from death so that they can live. So many people today see down their noses, not down on their knees. So full of planks in their own eyes, but all they can speak about is the splinters in somebody else's. 
so quick to criticize somebody else so they can exalt themselves by putting somebody else done down. But Jesus comes in and he just slips in about the very one everybody's talking about. And Jesus comes and says, I'll offer you salvation. I'll offer you hope. They think it's over for you. You are the very one that I could so fill and use and stun the world because nobody thinks I can do something with a Mary Magdalene. But I will. And when every man forsook him, when every disciple forsook him out of fear, it was the worship of Mary that was poured all over Jesus' body, an extremely expensive perfume. And her worship went with Jesus where no man would go. Into Pilate's court, the mockery of the high priest of Israel, and all the liars that would testify lies about Jesus. Peter's not there, John's not there, Matthew's not there, Thomas is not there, but there's the worship of Mary all over Jesus and what she did for him, following him to the cross following him as he's being taken down from the cross and brought into the grave, going with him into that grave and coming with him out of the grave on the third day when he's raised from the dead. The aroma of Mary's worship upon Jesus Christ. Oh, what God did through that woman. What he testified through her life. I want to say a few things to you. I want to say that the value of your life is not derived from man. It's derived from God. As your pastor, because I care for the blessing of God, because I understand what it means for your life, and because I understand how powerful the bondage of man can be, I want to lose you. And I want to let you go. You do not have to perfect traditional and scrupulous demands to gain our approval. I release you. You are free from the fear of failure and the manipulation of people. Go serve God. You do not have to gain the favor of modern Pharisees to feel good about yourself. I release you. You are free from the fear of rejection and the futile drive to please other people. With all your heart, go please God and honor Him. Your weaknesses and your failures do not disqualify you from God's mercy nor subject you to my condemnation. I release you. In Christ you are free from condemnation and the curses that religion would bind you up with. You are free 
from the abusive authority of religion and the hopelessness that you will ever amount to something in the eyes of man. You're free. You're qualified by Jesus. He fills you with His Spirit to work powerfully in your life. Serve the Lord with all your might. You can be the revival. I loose you and let you go. I'm only saying that in the context, not, like, not that I'm God, but Jesus said to the people, you loose them and let them go. You understand what I'm saying? I'm not speaking as though I'm God. I'm a man, and I'm your pastor. If I could be anything in your life, I'd be one somebody that wants to loose you and let you go. I don't want to control you by wrapping you up in my garments of death. You can be the revival. You are the difference. You don't have to conform to us. Just conform to Jesus. John said to Jesus, Lord, we saw a man casting out devils in your name, but he doesn't follow with us, so I forbid him to do it because he doesn't follow us. And Jesus said, don't forbid him. Jesus said, no man which shall do a miracle in my name can speak evil of me. If he's not against us, John, he's on our side. You don't have to conform to me. Just conform to Jesus. That's freedom. That's liberty. You don't have to please me. Please Jesus. You don't need me to do what God wants you to do. But the blessing of the body is we can't do without each other what he wants us to do. It will always be the respect. You say, I've never seen it. I loose you from having to see it. Just go believe it. I've never seen this done. I've never seen that done. Peter never saw a man walk on water either. Jesus loosed him and set him free and said, Peter, come join me. And he set him free. Hanging over your head is the fear of your past your insignificance and your inadequacies. You're embarrassed by their thoughts of you. You're so intimidated. There's so much you want to do, but they do not believe in you. And many are going to hang around you holding your grave clothes, reminding you about all of your deaths, and they'll be quick and would love to wrap you back up in them the first mistake you make. No, and I knew they weren't serious. But John, Mark, I loose you. It doesn't matter what Paul thinks about you. The value of your life is not based upon what Paul thinks. It's based upon the Lord Jesus Christ. John Mark, I loose you and let you go. God redeems your thoughts. God redeems your past. God redeems your affections. God redeems your dreams. God redeems your life. He redeems your life from the grave. He redeems your life from the pit. He redeems your life from the enemy. If you will believe him, he will redeem you. And then you're loosed, and you're alive, and you're free, and you can go forth. It doesn't matter what people think about you. I loose you, David. I know your brothers think you're hot-headed. I know that they think you're a little bit cocky. I know they think you've come to the fight just so you can show off a little bit. But David, that's what your brothers think. I loose you from what your brothers think. David, get out there and take the head off of that giant in the name of God. Do it. 
I know what they say about you, Elisha. I know that they say you're nothing but a servant boy. I know that Elijah's the great prophet. I know that you're nothing. I know that they don't account you as anything. You just pour water on his dirty hands, and you carry his books around everywhere Elijah goes. I know that, Elisha, but I'll loose you and set you free. You will be the anointed prophet of God. A double portion will come upon you. I know that it's not common, Timothy, for young men to teach the old men, but Timothy, I loose you in the name of Jesus Christ and be not ashamed of your youth but be an example of the saints in all types of behavior and I know Peter that it's not traditional and custom for the Gentiles to live the way they do and for Jews to accept that but I loose you Gentiles and I do not require you to conform to us but conform to Jesus that's what Paul did I loose you I set you free Free to go. You are not what you are going to be. Though you are bound now, you will not be bound forever. There is a life in you that God brought back from the dead, and you're getting out of those grave clothes. You hear me? You're getting out of those grave clothes. If He can cause you to come back from the dead and live again and not stink again, then shed the clothes off of you. Who cares if they hang around reminding you of how awful you are, how bad you are, what a failure you are, or everything else? All it takes is a little wind of the Holy Ghost to begin to blow and change everything that has ever gone on with your life. You walked in here one way. The blessing of God will meet you in an altar and you'll leave another way. Different than when you came in. My God, let it be. You came with diabetes. You live. You leave whole. You came with a cancer. You live free. You came with confusion. You leave with clarity. You came fighting the devil, but you leave standing on the victory of Jesus Christ. You came with spiritual dryness. You leave with spiritual fullness. You are loosed. You are let go. Follow Him. Serve Him. Please Him. Conform to Him. Walk with Him with all of your heart. Love Him with all of your might. Serve Him with all of your devotion. Keep up with Him. Walk with Jesus. It doesn't matter about anything else. You're free. You're alive. You're living. You're the people of God. That's why I care for the blessing of God. Because the blessing of God can change everything in a moment. And everything man has shut us down on, said we could never do. They've shut down America. It's over for us. We're under judgment. We're going to die. We're going to go to hell. We're going to be overrun with Islam. Everything's going to happen. I don't know. I know we're under the judgment of God. But I'll tell you this. My God, there's still salt in this earth, and there's still light in this world. Let's quit putting the grave clothes on us and waiting for our death, and let's get up, and let's bring Jesus to the streets. Our God's a living God. Allah's a dead God. We're loosed. Let's go. Let's serve the Lord in the freedom and in the joy and in the liberty that God wants us to walk in. The blessing of God means everything to me because my expectations and yours will never make my life what it's supposed to be. But the blessing of God will. And the blessing of God will you. You say, God, will I ever be free from this? If he blesses you, you will. Will he bless me? Of all people, he'll bless you. Of all people, he'll bless you.
but I don't deserve. I'm not worthy. I'm this, I'm that. Listen to me. The blessings of God, the promises of God are in Christ Jesus. Yes. Amen. That means yes. Amen means let it be. Because you see, it's not about your worthiness. It's about His. Stand with me. Some of you are in some very difficult places in your life. The blessing of God's going to help you, nothing else. Let's ask God to bless us. God, I'm miserable. God, I'm depressed. God, I can't take it anymore. God, bless me. God, make your face to shine upon me. God, be merciful to me. Oh, my God. I need you, Jesus. I need you, Jesus. I don't want to be anybody that binds up the living. God, let me be somebody among your people who cuts grave clothes off of the living. Dead people are dead. They're bound up in their sin and in their bondage. But people that Jesus brings back from the dead are free. I want to be somebody who cuts those clothes of death off of your people. God, let your people be free. Cry out to God. Talk to God. This is not a sober moment. This is your life. This is your future. This is your God. He is in the midst of you. And He, He is mighty. He rejoices over you. He will save. He will rest in His love. Is there a more wonderful God than our God? Isn't it wonderful that the disposition of our God is one that says, I do want to bless you? That everything I offer you is in my son Jesus? And so if you come to me through my son and you need forgiveness for sin, yes, let it be. If you come to me through my son and you say, Lord, I'm sick, would you heal me? Yes, let it be. You come to him and you say, God, I'm depressed, but I deserve to be. I've walked in rebellion. I've, I've walked in sin. I've brought all of this upon myself. But Lord, would you set me free and would you restore the joy of your salvation to my life? come to you in Jesus and God says yes let it be let it be in you let it be in you the only one who doesn't receive it is the one who doesn't believe it ask it I need his blessing I'm not preaching a message to you I'm preaching what I need in my life I can't get from here to there apart from the blessing of God Thank you, Jesus, that you are among us this morning to heal us, to save us, to forgive us, to restore us. Let everyone that's bound go free. Let everyone that's broken be healed. Let everyone that's diseased be healed. 
God, let us believe you this morning in this altar. My God, we thank you and we love you, Jesus. We love you, Jesus. We love you, Jesus. Oh, we love you, Jesus. You are our hope, God. You're our strength.